We want to welcome you back to the Enduring Churches podcast. Here over there looking at me on our video screen is Trent Young. I'm Alan Small. We are glad um, to be with you today. And such a such a wonderful day to be gathered here in January. You know, January is not my favorite time of year, Trent, because because the, the short days and, and all that kind of stuff. But what I do love is that the year is in kind of in front of you and we get to look at so many different things. And, you know, I kind of like to think of corrective actions uh, this time of year. And that's kind of what we're talking about. We've been talking about uh, different types of pastors um, and maybe some negative things, traits that we can get into. And so we want to avoid those things. And we have one today, Trent. So tell us about what we're going to be talking about today. Yes, sir. Well, we're going to be talking about an agenda-driven pastor. Let's go back a little bit. Let's just remind everybody where we have been talking about. We talked, first of all, about an insecure pastor um, and all the struggles that that can, can bring, um, how they deal with life, and maybe some changes they might want to make. And we also talked about an ego-driven uh, pastor who's overly secure in themselves and uh and so the the problems that that could bring to a church and so today alan we want to talk about an agenda driven pastor you mentioned we're in here we are in january and um, i know that you like to pick a word uh, and i have done that this year as well and you know kind of make some plans for the year and so is it and we think about an agenda driven pastor is that the same as planning or is that something totally different I think when we're talking about agenda-driven pastor, Trent, I think, you know, we have seen these guys over the years. Uh, they are people who come in with their own agenda. So planning is good. Projects can be good. But if it's just about you. And so in some ways, the reason we're doing this one following kind of that ego-driven, you know, overconfident pastors, because this is part of maybe kind of an offshoot, an off-branch of that is when hey, these are my plans. This is this is what I want to do. And uh, it doesn't matter how I get it done as long as I get done what I want to get done. And so that's kind of where we want to go and what we want to talk about today, because we've seen those guys and we've met those guys. And fortunately, they're, they're not just a ton of them, but when it creeps up, it is it is something to see. Yeah, I just ordered some new glasses and it made me think of the guys that we're talking about here have an eye problem and I, you know, my plans, I want to do this instead of seeking God's face. God, what do you want to happen today? Even the little things, uh, you know, God, what are you, what are your plans instead of God? I sure hope you'll bless my plans. And so an agenda driven pastor, Alan, the first thing you have, we have on our notes today is that they tend to have a plan before they go anywhere to do anything. And so, um, you know, the, it's their plan, it's their plan and it gets to be controlling. Yeah, these are guys who um, show up in an interview and they already tell you before they've met any person, everything that they're gonna do in that in that next church. Mm -hmm. they, they already know, oh, I've done this and this and this and this, exactly what I'm gonna do where, where I'm at. And mm -hmm. you don't take time to get to know people. You, you, you're going in with, with your agenda. And that, that can be really problematic because what that says really about your ministry is that people begin to take a, a back seat to your projects. Yeah. That, and, you know, Alan and I have talked about this um, in 
of some form, you know, we talk about when you go in as an interview, like Alan mentioned, um, and, and one of the questions that sometimes you'll get asked is, hey, what's your vision for our, this place? And it's like, well, you don't have a vision. You don't know enough people. You haven't been there long enough to have a vision. You have a calling, but you don't have a vision for that place. And so uh, this that kind of goes with what I think Alan was just saying there. And, and yeah. so that, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say that, you know, we we have to be careful with this. I don't think a lot of guys, and, and maybe we do, maybe there's some guys who go from seminary and they're already this way. I think we kind of maybe force ourselves in, into this thing. And maybe sometimes it's to protect ourselves from those relationships so we don't get hurt or so we don't have to do it. And then we turn that energy toward those projects. And so it could be too a question of, you know, do you pick the projects over the people because that's your safe zone. And so you do have to be mindful of that. Well, the next part of that is, um, and Alan already mentioned that an agenda-driven pastor will place relationships in a secondary position of projects, uh, but then also uh, move from project to project, right? Um, it's one, one accomplishment to the next accomplishment. Uh, place to place and you're climbing the ladder always got to be moving forward up up the hill you know yeah you know and I, Trent I'm gonna be a, a little vulnerable here with with part of that I could see myself doing that really easily um, in my first church we built a new building in my second church we built a new building and in my church in Colorado we ended up building two buildings over the over the course of a, a five-year span and someone came to me and sat down in my office after we finished our second building in Colorado and said, so um, do you think you can stick around because you don't have a project? And that was a, that was an eye-opening experience for me and, so, and something that I could relate to. And so I can see where this can creep into our lives. It's not something we necessarily start out to do, but it can uh, creep in there. And Trent, I think you kind of said you could kind of maybe turn this way a little bit too. Yeah, we were talking before we started recording today, and I, I really see myself in this as well. And Alan and I are kind of cut from the same cloth and, and that. And, you know, every place that I had done ministry, we did some major uh, remodel or adding a building or something. And and it is, you know, it's like, okay, when you've accomplished all those building things, can you stay? You know, is there enough to keep you mentally engaged? in that without having a project that you can point to and say, I did that. I think that's a, that's a big problem. And it certainly can, it certainly can be. And what happens if, if we live for the projects um, that we can do, because projects are always programs or projects or, or buildings or what happens is too, because we are so obsessed with our own projects it's amazing how those projects can become obsolete and you can make yourself obsolete. You know, um, for, for instance, you know, someone could come in with just their own agenda. Well, I'm going to preach X number of sermons and I'm going to tell these people how they messed up every other pastor in the past. And they could preach a series of sermons and say, okay, well, I've preached all those. I've got to move on. And, and you can do that. And what happens in that type of ministry is it becomes obsolete over time. Well, and I we've talked to pastors that they had their group of sermons. 
they come into a church and they literally preach through all those sermons that they had. They don't come up with new stuff. They don't, you know, look for the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And so they preach through those and then they're like, okay, now I'm, I'm done. I'm gone, you know. Um, and, you know, when you're starting uh, ministries or starting projects, starting programs, uh, it what happens is there's it's kind of like a pendulum effect in a church. You know, I can see that a, a pastor who's all focused on projects and buildings is there for some time. And then the next guy, the, the church will swing the pendulum all the way to the relational side. And when they look for a new pastor, as opposed to a project guy, and and there's never usually a middle ground. It's it's usually a far to the opposite side. You know, no matter what the previous guy, the next guy is going to be very very different. Right. You can't you can't replicate the the former one, but you also don't want to just go and go completely opposite either. There's a there is a balance in that and. That's true. So if you had a highly relational guy that was your pastor, and let's say you're on a search team, you, you could could go out thinking, well, we need a guy who's really good at projects and, and all of this. And you can almost go looking for this type of role and you don't don't have to do that. Find find that balance. And so this is an easy one just to kind of, you know, some people just live for projects all the time. I've seen pastors. This has guided their ministry. Um, until they kind of burned out and made themselves obsolete. But this is also one we've talked about that can kind of creep into all of our lives, that we can all become too focused um, on the projects from time to time. We don't want to be that. So I think it's really important for us to ask that question. Are our accomplishments people-based or project-based? And, you know, think about that with a building, Trent. You know, what's the purpose of a building? Was the purpose of the building to say, hey, look, we built a building? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Or is it, yeah. Right. I'm giving a place, a tool that, you know, I, gosh, I remember preaching that sermon, Alan, uh, to our church, both in uh, Colorado and in Oklahoma, just saying, hey, this, these things we're doing, they are not just for our glory, but they're to be a tool that God uses. It has to fit well in his hand and we have to dedicate it to him. Um, and it is for people to come to know him. So yeah, you're absolutely right. And then you mentioned balance. That's it's hard to find that balance sometimes um, when you're thinking because as a pastor, they always tell you you don't need to be the general contractor, but it's almost impossible not to become the general contractor in a building project because people are asking you all the time. And so automatically your focus becomes the project. It's hard not to be when you're doing something like that. So yeah, that's even when you have a general contractor overseeing it because the yes. general contractor is still going to come to you and ask all these little questions, you know, where mm -hmm. do you want the water fountain here? Do you want it here? Do you, you know, all these little questions because you, you are seen as the church expert. And that's where, I think that's where some of this becomes a problem because we think we might be an expert in that area or in that particular field that we begin to, to trust more in, in whatever project that is, our knowledge in that project. And then we forget that, you know, there are some decisions that can be left up to the people and let them make them, you know, and, and, and don't sweat the stuff that you don't have to. So it's important for us to invest in the discipleship process.
-hmm. And the discipleship, the emphasis is not on the process, it's on discipleship. Um, you need to have a process for discipleship. You need to have projects that help make disciples. But the emphasis is always on making disciples. And there's a multitude of ways to do that. Your buildings can do that. Your programs um, can do that. All, your, the projects, the ministry projects that you care about can do that. But the emphasis has always got to be on the discipleship side of those. Yeah, and I think the vast majority of churches in the United States, not all of them, of course, but um, we have we have gotten focused on the building and the project phase in order to we think that's going to grow our church instead of what Alan was just saying that the discipleship, which is life on life, um, that's the process. It's as you go. Um, and, you know, the idea, the, the whole term was to walk in the dust of the rabbi. Um, you know, it, so you're, you've got to spend more time relationship. Those other things um, are fine, the buildings and all that, but it can never take the place of the discipleship part. Um, and honestly, in the United States, it feels like our churches have not been so good at discipleship. And so our churches are struggling in the United States, as opposed to some other places we've learned about around the world, where they had that built-in discipleship um, structure that we have not put in place. Yeah, that's a great that's a great way to look at that. Uh, we we do we we just overestimate sometimes the the program, and sometimes underestimate the outcome. And I know that they're tied together. You've got to have the right process to get the right outcome. But the outcome is what matters. And sometimes I think we can look back and recognize that did nothing um, to generate the, the particular outcome that we, were, we really had wanted to see or should have wanted to see. Because sometimes, again, we can get sidetracked and think that, that we did something great when we really didn't accomplish what God wanted us to accomplish. So... How do we do that? So, so there's some things that I think we can do. Trent, you, you, um, you and I both said that we could trend this way really easy, easily. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you that I went before my church after not long after that and said, you know, I want to re remind us why we're here. And it's about the mm -hmm. discipleship process. And I think the willingness to seek forgiveness for getting off track and putting projects or buildings or programs or whatever above the people um, is important. And there's a great biblical example of that, I think. And that's when, when Jacob uh, goes to Esau and seeks forgiveness. You know, Jacob was always scheming. Mm -hmm. He was always looking for an angle. And he recognized um, if he didn't want to die, he should probably <laughs> seek forgiveness um, mm -hmm. for, from his brother. And I think that's an important lesson for all of us. I agree, Alan, you know, and I remember, you know, that was Jacob is coming back to see his brother. Uh, he's got all of his family. He, he he could have just gone by himself, but he puts it all on the line because he brings every all of his family and everything he owns with him when he goes back to see his brother. And that's when during that time is when it says that he wrestles with God and God kind of uh, breaks his hip you know, to um, make him have to rely more on, on God, I think. Uh, but yeah, there are times when we've gotten so focused on our things and, and sometimes it's our, us, that I problem again, 
we get so focused on that that we do need to go before our church and say, hey, I, you know, I've messed up here. I've, I've taken us down a road that was focused on me. So I just want to come to you and say, hey, now we're we're going to turn in repentance and we're going to come back and we're going to go down a road focused on God instead. Yeah, I think this is, again, it's just one that we are so prone to that I think it's easy. It's an easy place and your church is going to forgive you for that. Mm-hmm. They they will because they 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 see it they recognize it and it it also says that you're trying to place a priority on people, and that's the second part of this. You got to seek forgiveness, and then you really do have to find a way to make people um, a center point in your ministry because that's who we are called to minister to. Right. Well, and so do you? How do you do that? You, you've got to be talking about that from the pulpit. You know. Hey, and challenging your people are are there people that you are actively um, developing relationships with in order to point them to Christ or in order to help them to grow to be more like Christ? Um, so that you know, instead of hey, we're going to gather money to build a building, we're going to now send out our army to get to know people um, and. A lot of times, and especially in larger churches, there are people within the church that don't know each other. And so sometimes I think that has to work into, you know, getting to know each other in the church. Yeah, I was thinking about this one as we were getting ready to do this one. How do you know if you become too agenda driven? Can you give that project? Could you could you let someone else be in charge of it? Mm. Could you could you give that project away if God opened the doors for that to be given away? And I think that's a good, good question. Can I let go of this? And if you have a hard time, if you can't give that away, maybe you're you're not prioritizing the people. So I think that's a good place uh, to begin. Is can you open open hand that back back to God? And it, yeah. if you can, then I'd say your priorities are probably in the right place. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. As you're saying that, I'm thinking of my inner control freak, right? <laughs> Which always leads to my inner two-year-old um, you know, because when I'm not in control, I throw a fit like a two-year-old. And, and so that you've got to be able to give it away. And as you're talking about that too, I was thinking of Harold Galt. Uh, was a, a gentleman who is a retired um, contractor that came and I, he just kind of mentored me in a building process. And I, eventually I was able to just give it to him and say, okay, uh, this is too big a project for me. You, you take it and, and you do it. That's great. Don't you love it when God just puts someone in your life who who shows you um, that you don't know everything you think you know? Uh, yes. <laughs> I, I love that. Well, I think there's something else that we need to do because it, and that'll kind of lead us to where we're going to talk next week. But I think you need to learn something new. Mm-hmm. I, I think sometimes if, if you kind of tend to have your own agenda, you, it's easy for that agenda to be your rut. It's easy always. just to get stuck in that. And this is the way I always do it. This is what I'm always going to do. And this is who I am. And we're defined by our own agenda and, and not, not necessarily a fresh word from God. So, you know, be willing to, to learn something new, learn about yourself, learn, learn about something new, a new way of doing something that breaks from how you've always done it, but be willing to learn something new. Alan told me about 
this um, a few years back in his life where he learned about the Enneagram and, and how that you know affected him the way that he reacted to some things. And, and I've been challenged. We, we got, did a great interview uh, about that. So you ought to go back there and, and look for that uh, podcast episode. But yeah, there's, there's lots of things in that. And so in order for me to learn something new, that means that I'm willing to humble myself and say, hey, I don't have it all together. I need to learn more. I need to grow so I can be a more uh, well-rounded minister for God and uh, be able to not just be project driven, but also be people focused. Um, you know, so all those things, they go together. And that I think this is a great point. Yeah. And so we want to encourage you too. if you're a person who loves projects, we're not trying to we're not trying to um, berate you or, or belittle you. We just want to encourage you that there is probably a tendency to make the project the focus and not the people. And hopefully that'll be a great encouragement for you. And some of you some of you out there, you're probably highly relational and you're not very good at projects. Uh, and we would also say say to you, don't don't forget the, the projects, the, the process helps the people. And so there are sometimes you need projects and maybe you need to get help doing completing those. But don't let your own agenda drive your ministry, let God's agenda drive your ministry. Trent, mm -hmm. uh, people might want to get a hold of us. Could you tell them how um, they could reach out to us and tell us what we've missed today? Okay. Yeah, I'm sure there are things that we have missed. And again, as we, we do this series about different um, pastor personalities, uh, we want you to know this is all about balance. Um, we don't want you to, to be one extreme or the other. And so you may be thinking about, hey, what about this part? And if you do, please contact us because we would love to um, visit with you. You can do that in several ways. Uh, first of all, you can go to our website, which is EnduringChurches.com. You can find us on Facebook at Enduring Churches. You can also email us, Alan, A-L-A-N, at EnduringChurches.consulting. Okay, so it's different, .consulting, not .com. And then Trent at EnduringChurches.consulting as well. You can also help us out by liking this podcast, sharing this podcast, and another way you can reach us too, just leave a, a, a comment um, on, our, on our podcast page. We'd love to just uh, see your comments. Try to leave us a good one so others will, will know how this podcast has benefited you and helped you, uh, helped you out. You know, Trent and I love doing this. We're coming up on our 150th standalone episode, and then we have a few interviews um, in there as well. You're always welcome to go back and look in our library of, of ones. One we're not going to be talking about is the Lone Ranger pastor. We actually did an episode on that last year. We'll put a link to that um, in our notes, but that's one of my all-time favorite episodes, and I would encourage you, um, everyone, to listen to that one because that's something we can all become really quickly. So again, uh, we, we are so glad you take time uh, to join us. Next week, we're going to be talking about the plateaued pastor. Um, and I grew up in West Texas. I know a lot about plateaus. So anyway, um, we look forward to having you back with us on the Enduring Churches podcast.